see you today, and we trust that God will bless you richly and those that have joined us through the live stream. Likewise, it's great that you've been able to join us, and may the Lord touch your heart through the ministry today and through the worship of the Lord's great name. Um, I, I was praying for our sister Margaret uh, from, from Canada, and I see she's with us today, at, uh, so it's good to see you, Margaret and Hubert, and uh, we're remembering your, your dad very much in prayer at this time, and may the Lord be with you during this time at, at home. Um, but before I, I just get into the announcements, just, just keep the screen up, uh, please, but um, I, I just want to make mention of the report for the, the last year, and you now are in possession of that. Um, together with um, the, the covering letter on behalf of our committee and session. And the, 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 the first thing I want to do really is to, on behalf of the committee and session, I want to thank you very much for your giving, your sacrificial giving to the treasury of the Lord. Your giving is a tremendous encouragement. It is sacrificial, and we know that God will bless you for that. Um, the, 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 the free will offerings uh, last year uh, came to 84,418. That's the free will offerings uh, into the number one account. And that's an increase of some 15,000 pounds from the year before. And so, so that is most encouraging. And we give the Lord the glory, glory for that. Um, in relation to the position we are in where the, 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 the building program, where the finances of the building program are concerned. You'll notice from the, the building fund that there's now a credit balance at the end of last year of zero. So while monies are paid into the, the building fund, um, we transfer the building fund into the, the general account, and then we pay all the bills out of the general account. And we did it in that way so that we can have a clear idea as to exactly where we are. With, with our finances. Now, the, the building fund uh, project spend to date. Now, uh, this includes everything that we've spent since 2014 when we began this process. And so, the, it includes the contract sum, but also includes other costs such as our architect's fees and other fees that have been incurred or in additional to the, the contract sum. So the, the project spend to date is, is £1,040,522. Now, the, the, amount, the amount paid to date uh, by the, the congregation here is £691,519. And that's, that's, that's an amazing figure. Um, Whenever we started out, we, we, we didn't envisage that we were going to spend this amount. And as I said before, whenever COVID came along and we had just started to put the foundations in, I thought we are absolutely mad. We're approaching this COVID situation. We don't know what the future is going to be. And here we are in the middle of a project. And of course, we had to press on. But the Lord has undertaken marvelously. And I commented today and Romans 8, 28, and I think we can truthfully say, looking back, the Lord has indeed worked all things out together 
for good. But of course, none of this would be possible if it were not for the fact the Lord touched your hearts to give and to continue giving to the work of the Lord. So we do have some current debt. The debt uh, just stands at around £349,000. And the, the debt breakdown, now there are interest-free loans of £260,000, and that is most helpful. And the, the value of interest-free loans, well, it avoids bank charges and bank interest, and that's, that's a major thing. And then the, the only other debt is in the overdraft. Uh, so we have negotiated an overdraft with, with the bank, and that currently stands at £89,000. Now, the building fund income, uh, you will see in the back of your sheet, the building fund income over the last five years. For example, 2018, it was 37447 The year the church opened was... Uh, an awful lot of money came in that year, and that, that was, I suppose, e- exceptional be- because of the opening, but £97,510. But, but last year, um, we were at 47320 Now, there, there will be some more monies to pay in relation to the building um, project this year. Um, there, there will be the retention that... Uh, that, that we are brothers are due, and, and that will have to be paid, and there are some monies uh, outstanding um, on, on the church hall uh, that, that we haven't received a bill for yet. It's reckoned that that will be in around £50,000. We, we, we believe, and, and we've worked out our, our sums, that if we were to bring in 50000 per year into the, the building fund, uh, we would be able to clear all debts by... 2030. And that's a significant date because that will be the 60th anniversary of the congregation. And we didn't make the, the opening of the, the meeting house here our, our 50th anniversary project. And while we didn't quite get open on our 50th anniversary year because of, because of, of, of COVID, nevertheless, we, we were able to do that. And we, I would certainly love to see all debts cleared sometime during that uh, year 2030. Um, whether it's myself or whoever the minister is at that time, uh, that the announcement we will be made were, were clear of debt. And, 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 and I think uh, that, that is realistic and, and, and it's achievable. I would encourage you just to, to keep giving and, and we will see the debt coming down uh, month by month and year by, by year. Um, so it, it is a very, very uh, in, in encouraging report and we, we do thank you so much for, for your giving, and if you have any questions relating to it, you can address it uh, to, to myself or to our treasurer. Now, just a word about our treasurer and also his, his assistant, uh, Jeffrey, as assisted by our brother David uh, Hetherington. I'd like to thank them very much for all of, all of their work and for all of their effort. Um, there is a lot of time goes into maintaining the accounts and preparing the report, and a phenomenal amount of time, uh, a lot of diligence. And so we'd like to thank them very much for, for, for all of their work and for all of their efforts. And um, I, I think it is appropriate to say um, at this time uh, as well, we're, we're having an election on Wednesday evening. And uh, on Wednesday evening, the, the current committee, all of the seats in the current committee will, will, will be declared vacant. And we will have an election for a new church committee. So I, I want to thank the, the outgoing church committee.
um, Leslie Allen, Rodney Condell, David Hetherington, and Andrew McMullen for their work over these past nine years. And whenever a church goes into a building program, well, there is a lot more work here for uh, the elders and for the committee. And that has meant long meetings, and I've taken a note here, late hours with long-suffering wives waiting at home. And every decision was taken in a good spirit. The presence of God was evident. We have always had great unity. So I want to thank all of our office bearers, but particularly outgoing uh, committee men for, for their work. They have been true fellow and diligent laborers in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it is with a note of sadness we make comment on the, the, the current committee, the outgoing committee, because at our last election, which was just over nine years ago, um, our, our brother, Mr. Kenny Andrews, who was the church secretary at the beginning of that committee, and our brother, Mr. Norman Boyd, well, they were both elected onto that committee, and they left empty seats as they went into the presence of the Lord. And we have missed their presence, and we've missed their words. Um, they were part of the, the church, first church committee that I would have chaired whenever I came here 21 years ago, and they were long-standing committee members, and they loved the work of God in the Clocker Valley. They made positive contributions, and they made positive contributions to the discussions that ultimately led to the building project. And so they're gone, but their work and contribution is certainly not forgotten. So I just want to make mention of that and ensure their families uh, to join Mrs. Boyd and their families of our prayers, continued prayers at this time. Um, so, yes, so just, just take a wee read through everything, and, um, and if you have any questions, uh, you, can, you, you can address them to us. I think that's really all I, I need to say on, on that at, at, at this time. Uh, there, there's a missionary council update, um, so please take that as you leave, keep you up to date with the work. Of, of missionaries. Now, in relation to, to, to our announcements, um, the election will take place on, on, on Wednesday evening. There are a number of postal votes, and those of you who are at church today who have received a postal vote this morning, I ask you to try and complete it now before, before you leave the building. Uh, it's, it just helps us with the verification process and return it to the clerk of session or return it to myself, and that would be greatly appreciated. We appreciate your cooperation where that is concerned. Uh, please check the list of community members and candidates. There, there is a slight change to the list of candidates from, from last week. I did send that out uh, through a WhatsApp and through an email message. There's just a slight change. Uh, please take note of that. Um, all members will be able to vote for eight men from the final candidates list. Each candidate must receive 20% of all votes cast to be elected. So you can vote for less than eight. You can't vote for more than eight. And you, you'll just place an X or a tick beside the candidate's name. And in the event of the bottom two candidates who have more than 20% of the vote being tied, both will be elected, and that will give us nine members. Um, uh, and yes, postal votes, please return them today. And any queries, please speak, speak to us. And encourage, encouraged by, by those that have asked for postal votes, obviously you're not able to come out and we'll be able to help you and give you postal votes, and that certainly indicates that there is good engagement in the congregation, and we want good engagement, so if you haven't got your postal vote, please be along. We want to see all members along. Really important that you're along to engage in this process on Wednesday night, and I would just urge that upon you. Um, new communicant members are to be received in April. 
Um, some have requested uh, information about communicant membership, and if, if, if you would like to join, you'd like to talk about becoming a communicant member, um, if you could speak to either myself or the clerk of session, and, and, and we'll be able to lead you along that process. But please talk to us fairly quickly, uh, because we, we will need to uh, get these arrangements made uh, for uh, bringing in members in the month of April. And if you're not a member, by the way, uh, just to explain a little bit about Wednesday evening, um, if you're not a member and you want to come, it'd be a good thing for you to come. Uh, you, you can watch the process, observe the process, see how things are done. I think that's a good thing. Uh, so if you want to come along on Wednesday night, you're more than welcome to, to uh, come along, and, uh, and, and we'll be glad to see you there. Um, the Reverend Anderson, the, the elders from Ochnacloy, they will be conducting the election. And the way we're going to do it is Mr. Anderson will be in charge of the entire meeting. I might just say a few words of welcome at the start, hand everything in over to him. Uh, during the count, we're going to have tea, just a cup of tea and a biscuit. We're going to go out to the church hall, we're going to have some tea, fellowship, and we'll give them about half an hour to get everything counted up. Then we'll come back in for the result. So that's how we're going to do things on Wednesday evening. Uh, the Bible clubs continue this week as usual. Youth fellowship will take place on Friday, Presbytery in Oma for our elders. That's not too far to go. We encourage our elders to get along to Oma for Presbytery on Friday evening. And then next Lord's Day, there will be communion in the morning. We'll take the next slide. There are some meetings in Ochnacloy, just isn't there? Yeah. Um, there's an afternoon service this afternoon in uh, Ocher, and uh, you're welcome along to that. Mr. Anderson will be preaching, and uh, I'll be in Gilbrook Nursing Home, value your prayers for that this afternoon, and then the ladies' meeting will take place tomorrow evening in Ochnacloy. Mrs. Catherine Dunlop from Lisburn will be bringing her testimony. We've had her testimony here, great word of testimony, great story of God's grace in a person's life, so I know you'll enjoy that, ladies, tomorrow evening if you're able to get along to Ochnacloy. And do please remember all of the various prayer requests. We've brought them before you uh, during the opening prayer. Please bring them before the Lord. And that will be all the uh, announcements. Uh, let's have a verse or two of another hymn while, we, while the Sunday school comes in. Come, O thou prophet of the Lord, thou great interpreter divine, explain thine own transmitted word to teach and to inspire as thine. Thou only canst thyself reveal. Open the book and loose the seal. We'll stand together. Yeah. 
We're turning in the Scriptures to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 today. Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're reading from the verse number 1. Nehemiah chapter 8, and the verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people <coughs> were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, and Shema, and Aniah, and Urijah, and Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand. And on his left hand, Padiah, and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shephathiah, Hodijah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. Amen. We know that God will Bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for your truth. As we would ponder it now, I pray for help. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. And amen. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and the verse 1, we have this little phrase, bring the book. They speak unto Ezra the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. The people are making the request. It's a remarkable request. The, the preacher is not coming to the people and saying, you must listen to this. The people are asking the preacher to come, that he might read God's word to them. Of course, these are the days before the printing press. These are the days when written manuscripts were not freely and readily available to everyone. But these were also the days when the children of Israel had come out of, of Babylon, and the Word of God had been preserved through all of the captivity. The temple had not survived. Solomon's temple had been in ruins and had to be rebuilt. The old walls of Jerusalem had not survived, but the Word of God had survived. And so there was this sense of awe and wonder that through all of their hardships and trials and military conquests and defeats, through all of their economic deprivation, the Lord had kept the word. And so they are assembled and they are gathered together. 
And they speak unto Ezra, the scribe who was their spiritual leader, Ezra who was also a priest. And they said, bring the book. Give us the book. Read us the book. We need the book. This was the, the, the seventh month of the year. The seventh month of the year was a most important and a most notable month. The seventh month of the year was the sabbatical month. So if the seventh day was a sabbatical day, a day of rest, so the, the seventh month was a sabbatical month in the sense that there were more religious observances on this month than any other. And this took place the first day of the seventh month, you will see from chapter 8, verse 2. And this was the day of the Feast of Trumpets. The trumpets sounded. The people's hearts were now prepared for this month. This was the month when the Day of Atonement took place. But this was also the month when the people engaged in the spiritual climax of the year, which was the Feast of Tabernacles. This was a very important month. And here the people desired that their hearts be prepared for the month that lay before them. And so they made this request. We need the book. We need the book. We're here in the Lord's day. The purpose of this day is for the worship of God, for the glorifying of God's name. These people are regulating their service according to the word of God. Our service is regulated by the word of God. We come here, we worship God, not because we feel it's right to have a pulpit in the middle, not because we feel it's right that a majority of our time be devoted to considering God's truth, because God says that his word is paramount. Because Paul said to Timothy, you need to preach the word. You need to be instant, in season, out of season. You need to reprove, rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine because this book is the living, it's the inspired word of the living God. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. There's something absolutely vital about the word of God. These people realize that. They realize they needed the power of the book for their service, but they also realize they needed the power of the book for their daily lives. And so they said, we need to hear the book. Bring the book. And so let us just think for a few moments about this request and about what it meant to Israel and what it should mean to us and our hearts and our souls today. First of all, we have the possession of the book. These people counted a privilege that the book of the law was before them. Some scholars and historians believe that Ezra was the man whom God used to gather together all of the, the writings, all of the, the scrolls that had been written before, whether it was the, the book of the law, whether it was the books of Joshua, Judges, the Psalms that had been written up until that point in time, the writings of Solomon, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Writings of Isaiah and Ezekiel, the Lamentations of Jeremiah and the Prophecy of Jeremiah. 
that many scholars believe that Ezra was the, the man whom God used to treasure those scrolls and to maintain them in the years of captivity. Ezra was certainly a most notable person, one of the most notable people in, in Jewish history. And it is not by accident, therefore, that they addressed him and they said, bring the book. They counted it a tremendous privilege that they had the Word of God before them. But our privilege is greater. These people only had the Old Testament. And the only thing that was read to them on this day was the book of the law of Moses. And the Old Testament, even then, was not quite complete. And of course, the technology was not in place to give them one bound volume, as we have. And then Jesus Christ had not come, and the Gospels were not written. Paul had not come to give his truth, the exposition, inspired by the Spirit of God, the Revelation, the Apocalypse. That was still a long time away. So we have the entire Word of God today, something that they did not have. And you do not come to church depending on this book being read to you. You read it yourself. You have it in your lap. You can read it. God has given you the gift of literacy to be able to read a mind, to understand the things of God. These are privileges that we ought not to take lightly. That, that book that we have today that I am addressing you about, that book that we have in our homes, it is the Word of God. What a possession to have God's Word, to have God's truth. There's nothing like it. Not only are we in possession of the Scriptures, but we're in possession of a most remarkable translation of the Scriptures, and that is the, the King James Version. King James, the man whose name is at the head of this version of Scriptures. <coughs> there are many unkind things we can say about King James. In many respects, he wasn't a good king. He was a member of the household of Stuart, and yet he was probably the best, the four Stuart kings. But that didn't mean that he was particularly good. He persecuted God's people, particularly the Presbyterians and the Puritans. Made life difficult for them. One of the reasons why the pilgrims made their way in the Mayflower to America was because of the policies of his government. <coughs> but yet King James, he, he was a Calvinist and had been reared a Presbyterian, even though he didn't like the Presbyterians. So he had something within his background that gave him a desire for a better translation of the Scriptures. <coughs> Some historians say that King James I was actually the best educated English monarch who ever sat upon the throne. And whenever he came to be king of England, there were two translations, and the church was divided over what translation to use. The church couldn't quite figure out whether to use the Geneva Bible or the Bishop's Bible. <coughs> and there was this real division going on. And he knew that both translations had their faults and their flaws, so his idea was, let's have a, a new translation, let's have a better translation, a translation that surpasses all other translations. And so 
the idea for the King James authorised version was born. 54 scholars organised into three companies. One final editorial committee did the final check. They poured over the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts. They poured over all of the English translations that had been <coughs> produced to date. And the result was that they produced a form of English that we know and call that we know and call King James English. And it is doubtful that there would be a company of people so highly qualified today, not only so highly qualified but so godly, who could produce such a volume as they produced. You know, English, we know, it, it, it changes, it evolves. And English grammar changes. And uh, if you were to produce a translation of scripture that always kept up to date with where English is at a given point in time, you'd be producing a Bible every 10 years. And sometimes English grammar changes, not for the, the better indeed, but timelessness about the language of the King James Version. And, and what the King James Version does, it, it gives a voice to God. It's dignified. It's been called magisterial. It speaks with authority. It was translated to be read in churches, as I told you last week. And we are truly privileged to be in possession of such a book. Let's not take it for granted. This is the book that, is, that, that the, the martyrs died for. This is the book of the great revivals. And David said of the sword of Goliath, there is none like that sword. Give it to me. And therefore we say, with these people, bring the book. Let's be lovers of the old book, the possession of the book. Let's also think about the attention to the book. Because as I read this, I'm struck with the attentiveness that the people gave to the word. Because you will notice that there was a congregation in verse 2. They stood in the, the street that was before the water gate. Probably a very wide thoroughfare. And everyone that could hear with understanding. They, they stood. So there was no pews. There was no cushion pews. We're glad of our cushion pews. You're glad of them. But they had nowhere to sit. They stood. And they stood from the morning which was probably from 6 o'clock in the morning until midday. And they stood to attention because they were in the, the presence of God. His word was read. And the translators used the word attentive. Their ears were to the book. Their ears were to the book. They were attentive to the book. They listened to it. They wanted to pay attention to what God was saying to them. Whenever you come to church, do you come with an open mind? I want to hear what God is saying. Well, if a preacher comes to you and doesn't say what God is saying, that misrepresents the book, introduces his own ideas, 
You don't need to listen to that. That's not the preaching you want. But when the word is taught, when truth is presented, we need to listen. Because that's God speaking. And we cannot dare turn a deaf ear to the word of God. The people sensed that. And therefore they were attentive unto the book of the law. The book had authority. And there is no book in the world that has the authority that the Bible has. And of everything that you hear, wherever you hear it during the course of a week, there is nothing you hear that has the authority that this book that we present here has. And therefore we need to pay attention. We will suffer if we do not pay attention to the Word of God. And then I, I also want you to think about the exposition of from the book. You, you will see something in this passage that we only read of once in the Bible. We read, a, we read of a pulpit. A pulpit of wood. It's the only place in the Bible we read of a pulpit of wood. That doesn't mean that preachers didn't stand. Prophets didn't stand upon platforms. They would have stood in places where they could be heard. It's, it's just this is the only place. And it, it seems that they had made this pulpit. They actually made this pulpit for the purpose of Ezra reading the word of God to these people on this day. And the verse 5 tells us that Ezra opened the book. The people watched him. They all could see him for he was above the people. See the idea of having a pulpit above the people. The people could see the word, hear the word. And as he opened the book, the people, they stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. They lifted up their hands, they bowed their heads, they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You see, they were in the presence of God. Whenever we come to God's house, from the moment the congregation is called to worship, we're in the presence of God. The people knew that, they sensed that. And then you come to verse 7. These people that were there to help Ezra, they caused the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read the, in the book, in the law of God, distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So the word wasn't just read on this day, but the context was given. The words were explained. The meaning was set before the people. There was an exposition of the word. And this is the biblical way to present the word of God. We read it, then we endeavor to understand it. We set it within the context. We look at other scriptures that are relevant. And we bring out the truth and we apply the truth. All of this was done on this day. You see, what we are watching here is a revival at work. This was a revival it was a revival of the word, a revival of the scripture, and every true revival is a revival of God's word. God's word is elevated. If God's word is not elevated, it's not revival. It is only when the truths of God's word are given their true place that we can identify a true revival. The translators 
of the King James Version. They wrote an epistle to the reader. There are some Bibles that do have the epistle to the reader. Not very many Bibles have it today. But they said this, and these are great words. But now what piety without truth? What truth without the word of God? What word of God without the scripture? The scriptures we are commanded to search. They are commended that searched and studied them. They are reproved that we're unskillful in them or slow to believe them. They can make us wise unto salvation. If we be ignorant, they will instruct us. If out of the way, they will bring us home. If out of order, they will reform us. If in heaviness, comfort us. If dull, quicken us. If cold, inflame us. Take up and read. Take up and read the scriptures. You get a sense of their passion. Maybe you've come out of order today. Be reformed by the word. You've come with heaviness of heart. Be comforted by the word. You've come dull. Other things are troubling you. Be set alive by the word. Perhaps you're cold of heart. Be set on fire by the word. Oh, the the power of the word of God. But then, let's look at the reception of the word. How did these people receive the word of God? And here we see a revival at work. You come to verse 9. The people are being taught. And they're weeping. They're hearing the words. They weep. You see, they understand their sin. They understand that they have failed God. They understand their shortcomings. And the word has had an impact upon them. And so they weep. And they cry and they sob. It must have been a, an amazing sight, a most moving sight to see these people crushed in together. And they're hearing the word, and as the word is read, you hear the, the sobs and the cries going up. And so Nehemiah, he intervenes and he, he speaks to them. And what does he say in verse 9? This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep. Don't be crying. This is a good day. And then he went on to say in verse 10, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God's at work amongst you. Be glad. Oh, how they received the word of God. Oh, may we receive the word of God today. That will have the purpose for which it has been sent. Psalm 119 reads, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Jeremiah 23, 29 reads, The word of God is like a fire, like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Isaiah 55, verse 11 says that God's word will not return unto him void. Christ said in Matthew 24, Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never pass away. Every other book it will pass away. God's word never passes. Paul in prison said in 2 Timothy 2 verse 9, I am in bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Word of God will never be restricted. Word of God will never be tied down. And then Christ said the best word of all about the the power of this book in John 17 verse 17. Thy word is truth. It's truth. You cannot be sure of anything. 
You might turn on your television and look at the news. You cannot be sure those pictures are coming from where they're supposed to come from. Or what the commentator is saying is absolutely factually accurate. You can read something in the newspaper and you cannot be absolutely certain. But you can read everything in this book from Genesis through to Revelation and you can say, here we have truth, the living word of the living God. Therefore, let us receive it today with that sense of gladness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And then finally, briefly, there's the continuation in the book. Come to verse 18. The people found written in the law in verse 14 of the the Feast of the Tabernacles. And they kept that feast on this, the seventh month of the year. And we read in verse 18, Also day by day, from the first day until the last day, Ezra read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly, According to the manner. They celebrated this feast according to the scriptural pattern. You read about the scriptural pattern in Leviticus 23. They kept it all exactly as it is written. The end of verse 15 says. They observed the word. There was great gladness, verse 17. It was the greatest feast of tabernacles since the days of Joshua. Surpassing anything that had taken place through all the days of the kings. God was at work amongst these people. They continued in the word. And that's a challenge for us. To continue in the word. Continuing in the word. Today, being at God's house this evening. Continuing in the word through the week. Continuing in the word at the Bible study. Continuing in the word through your regular readings. Scripture? Have you read your Bible today? Is it opened? Is it an open book? Don't close the book. Bring the book. Read it. Observe it. Love it. Follow it. It's the living word of the living God. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God, for the miracle of it, for the manner in which you speak. Bless us as we sing some verses from this closing hymn. For Christ's sake, amen. We'll sing two verses of this closing hymn. We'll sing the verses one and two, please.